and welcome to the Every Woman podcast. I'm your host, Anna, and every month we'll be bringing you the stories, insights, and opinions of inspiring people in business on a wide range of topics, asking the questions you want the answers to, and doubtless prompting some more in the process. Today, we're talking to Claire Yoza, who is arguably the UK's leading authority on imposter syndrome. So welcome, Claire. Hello, Anna. For those who might be feeling it, but can't give it a name, which I imagine mm. is a lot of people. A lot of people. Uh, let's start by outlining what imposter syndrome is. So imposter syndrome is more than just self-doubt. Okay, self-doubt is about what you can and can't do. It's about your skills and your capabilities and your qualifications. Imposter syndrome is below the surface and it hits you when you're normally confident and people think you're successful. But at three in the morning, you're lying awake thinking, what if they find me out? Mm. What if they realize I'm not as good as they think I am? What if they realize they made a mistake giving me this role or hiring me? And what if they find out I'm a fraud? And then you spend your whole waking day trying to push down those feelings. You can become a perfectionist. And that inner self-talk starts driving the decisions that you take in your career and in your home life. So why did you become interested in this? How did <laughs> even the, you know, how did coming to this study even come about? Well, I first realized I had imposter syndrome when I was in engineering, which was my original career. And it's one of the reasons, one of the few reasons I left that career. But then I became head of market research at Dyson. No imposter syndrome at all. I was absolutely fine. And then after a few years, I left to set up my own business back in 2003, leadership development and mentoring. And every client I had had the same root cause problem of this 3am self-talk if I know I look I look successful, you know, I can come up with a £10,000 idea in an afternoon, but what if they find me out? What if they realise it's just like the Icarus effect and I've just got here through luck and that, that sun is going to melt mm. the glue on my feathers and I will sink? I didn't know back then it was called imposter syndrome, but I've ended up spending the last 15 years specialising in it. The reason I ran the research study is I wanted to find some hard quantitative large-scale UK data to share with businesses to help them understand how to spot imposter syndrome and to really separate out the myths from the facts that I was hearing. Mm. And I looked around for the research and there wasn't any. There's been quite a lot done in the States and there've been quite a few telephone pole kind of research studies, but really in-depth research studies, the kind of thing that was my bread and butter as head of market research, there was nothing. So I ran the research study and the results were really shocking. And I had no idea until we ran the research study that imposter syndrome is actually one of three core drivers in the gender pay gap and lack of gender wow. parity in leadership roles. I was going to ask, is it more prevalent among women? You don't want to make those assumptions, <laughs> but... So it's actually a really common assumption. The original imposter syndrome research study in 1978 by Clance and Eames was only carried out on women, which set up the assumption that it was only a girl thing. What a bias. <laughs> And there's been loads of research since that's shown it's actually men and women. What my research study showed was 49% of male respondents and 52% of female respondents struggle daily or regularly, and that's in the last year. So the gender split is almost equal, mm. as near as what's it equal. The difference is how they handle it. So guys push it down. They push on through. They deny the emotions. And they are five times more likely than women, according to the research, to turn to alcohol and medication to cope with the stress from that. Mm. Women fall more prey to this 3am self-talk that makes them play small, 
that makes them turn down opportunities to shine, that makes them not go for the internal promotion that secretly they know they could do and they see their male colleagues leapfrogging them. So when you think about how to get promoted to a senior role, it's a lot of it is about who thinks you're good enough. Mm. So if you were being super modest, if you are saying, oh, yeah, but, you know, thanks for that praise, but actually it was a team effort or it was just, you know, good timing – then those people that have got that decision-making power are not going to have you on their radar. So imposter syndrome disproportionately affects women when it comes to pay rises and when it comes to promotions. That's fascinating. So tell me how, I mean, we've obviously talked about two ways that the Mm. genders will manifest it. In terms of being an imposter, is it a case that you can, that you are an imposter before go into your job Mm. or that it's the job that causes you to feel that? I mean, where does that Mm. come from? Is it a character thing? Mm. Is it a response? Does it come from your childhood? (laughs) (laughs) That's a great question. And it's context dependent. Mm. Okay. So imposter syndrome, you are actually good enough to do the job or you're becoming good enough because we all, when we have a stretch, we need to grow into that new role. The way I define it is it's the gap between who you think you are and who you think you need to be to achieve or create something. And if you imagine that's like a chasm, a great big ravine, and then in between who you think you are and who you think you need to be is where all of the fear lurks. And you have to jump over that ravine in order to take the actions to fulfill that role, to fulfill your potential. So what you need to do with imposter syndrome is allow yourself to become the person you think you need to be which you probably already are. You're not actually an imposter. Somebody who is an imposter, that's more likely to be Dunning-Kruger, which is where you overestimate your abilities and you have lack of self-awareness. So you might find that you've got strong imposter syndrome in one area of your job, not in another. And that's really common is you'll feel really comfortable doing one kind of part of the role and there'll be another part where you're sitting there going, oh my goodness, what if they find me out? What if they realize I'm not good enough? And that stress comes up occasionally you can trace it back to childhood, somebody who was a high achiever who wanted to please their parents. But one of the things I've found over 15 years is how you get it is irrelevant. Mm. Okay. What matters is realizing if it's affecting you, you start right here, right now to turn it around. Mm. So looking in the rearview mirror, unless there was a trauma event, in which case you can clear that, what matters is, okay, I've got this right now. I don't want it. What can I do? Mm. And on that on that, <laughs> that note, uh, your new book has a five-step plan. It definitely does. It takes you through the five layers of work that you need to do. So mm. we've already touched on how self-doubt is about what you can do. Mm. And imposter syndrome is about who you are deep down inside. So one of the reasons, a big myth, Anna, is that people think imposter syndrome is incurable. Mm-hmm. That's because they've tried mindset work. Yes, or cheerleading themselves cheerleading, out of it. Or, and, you know, yeah. classic advice, go and have a chat with somebody who respects you. List all the things you've done. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and all of these can be great emergency stop buttons if you've got no time for the navel gazing and you have to go into that meeting and present the client pitch. Mm-hmm. But they don't cure imposter syndrome because they're working at that superficial level of your mindset. Mm-hmm. You know, what am I good at? Getting below the surface, you need to be able to do the five steps. Firstly, is actually imagine life without imposter syndrome, because some of us are quite attached to it. So you need to clear out what it's doing for you, what you get to avoid by having it. That sounds harsh, but when you do that, Mm. it starts to melt away. Then taming that inner critic, learning how to press pause, that's step two, and start to turn your inner critic into a genuine cheerleader rather than a whitewashing cheerleader. Step three is where you do the mindset stuff. 
clearing out the fears, the limiting beliefs, those hidden excuses. Step four is about really ditching imposter syndrome. That's where we take off the secret masks, the coping strategies that no longer fit us, that hold us back, that stop us showing up as all of who we really are, that stop that genius that is you from shining brightly in the world. And then step five, because I don't want to leave people just feeling okay, is actually then about consciously choosing who you want to become. And stepping up to the next level of becoming the leader that you were born to be, whether that's in your career, whether that's in your personal life, so that you can be a shining light to inspire others. So this would presumably, this is a process that would work for somebody who is working in a corporate environment, mm-hmm. as well as an, as an entrepreneur. Absolutely. As well as a, so it, it's a sort of core way of, as you say, bringing all of yourself to work, isn't it? Absolutely. And the thing is, when we don't bring all of ourselves to work, this is why you need training courses on how to be an authentic leader. Because over the years, we've shut down so many aspects of who we are for fear of being rejected by the tribe, for fear of being criticized, for fear of being told we're not good enough, that when you actually step up to become a leader, one of the things the research study found is imposter syndrome rates skyrocket for women Mm. when they get promoted to a leadership role because suddenly the spotlight is on them. Okay. The opposite happened for men. It tends to go down. So they feel like they've been validated. They feel like the job title in the corner office has given them the external validation and they no longer feel the need to prove themselves as much. Though, unfortunately, imposter syndrome is implicated in quite a few senior level male suicides where they push down this anxiety and stress. Mm. So what do you think that, uh, you know, should we be having... Uh, imposter syndrome busting workshops (laughs) as part of, you know, as part of a a corporate uh, sort of policy for better mental Mm. health. Absolutely. And it's also better performance. So what I see often in corporates is they think this is just a mental health issue. They think it's just well-being. And so it often gets delegated to the lovely intern in HR to go and run a few lunch and learn sessions and they wonder why nothing's changed. Mm. The first step is that kind of session is let's get the discussion started. Let's remove the taboo because you or I could go to a boss and ask for presentation skills training and the boss would go, yep, that fits with what you need to do for your role. Here's where to sign up. We can't go to our boss saying, I feel like a fraud and I'm scared you're going to realize I'm not good enough. So you've got companies relying on performance reviews to highlight this, but very few people are going to go and say, I don't think I'm good enough to do this job, boss. Yeah, it's sort of disingenuous, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah, I'd exactly. love to get promoted, but I think I'm a bit of a fraud. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you help that, me with that. <laughs> that. That promotion you gave me last week to partner... Um, I'm lying awake every night at 3 a.m. now. <laughs> Shall we just go back down a level? So, And I'm not making light of those emotions because they really hurt. So the first step is actually for a business to open up the discussion so that asking for support with imposter syndrome is as acceptable as asking for support with Microsoft Office. Mm. Yeah, Because it affects people's productivity. It affects the people around them because if somebody is struggling with imposter syndrome, it can actually turn their team toxic in just a few weeks because they're projecting that stress and anxiety onto their team without even realizing. The whole thing with imposter syndrome that keeps us stuck is thinking, I'm the only person that feels this way and everybody else has got their act together. Mm -hmm. So if you can start these discussions, that is a brilliant way to do it. A lot of CEOs I talk to are scared that will make imposter syndrome a badge of honor in their business is oh. <laughs> everyone, everyone competing to be there. <laughs> exactly. Is, oh, I did really bad at that, badly at that project, but it's okay because I've got imposter syndrome. It's <laughs> not like that at all, particularly with female employees. What the research study found is once they realize they're not alone, 
they're 20 times more likely than men to talk to each other and support each other. Mm. So firstly, it's opening up the conversation, removing the taboo. Secondly, it's actually getting the facts out there. There are so many myths in the internet, well-intentioned articles and interviews that, that tell you it's incurable, that tell you you have to fake it till you make it so that nobody realises you're faking it. That's a very common one. A fake it till you make it has gone as a, <laughs> an idiom into the world, hasn't it? As it a, has. the way to do it. So it makes imposter syndrome worse because you're lying awake at three in the morning thinking, mm. I really hope they don't realise I'm a fraud. So I'm going to pretend my way out of this. Mm. Yeah, it actually cranks up the dial on those negative emotions and that anxiety. The much healthier way is to learn how to clear it completely, starting with that self-talk, knowing how to press pause. Because when your inner critic goes crazy, Mm. particularly at three in the morning because there's nothing to distract you, it fires off biochemical reactions in the body that trigger our stress hormones that mean we're stuck there for three hours listening to the inner critic. That actually fires off our emotions. They then feed the thoughts and suddenly this single imposter syndrome thought becomes an entire mind story drama that it's really hard to get out of. So that's why the first step for anyone listening is learn how to press pause on those stories. Because when you pause the story, okay, and you can just do some deep breathing then just to kind of get your nervous system back in balance to stand down the adrenaline and the cortisol, then you can consciously choose to think a thought that makes you feel better. So that's actually my ABC process. Mm -hmm. That's your emergency stop button for a bout of imposter syndrome. So accept that was an imposter syndrome thought. Do some deep mindful breathing that brings back the nervous system into balance and it calms the brain and it pauses the thoughts. And then C is to choose a thought that makes you feel better, something specific that you accept you are doing well. This literally rewires the neural pathways in your brain. And if every time you catch yourself thinking an imposter syndrome thought, you run that 60 second accept, breathe, choose process, you're starting to train your brain to go through neutral into positive. So Mm. you lose the power of the inner critic and you start to train it to become your biggest cheerleader, but without whitewashing. Because if you go straight from, I'm not good enough, they're going to find me out, to, no, I'm brilliant, you set up what I call the imposter syndrome pantomime. Like, no, I'm not. Yes, I am. No, I'm not. Yes, I am. (laughs) And guess which one wins? Yeah. (laughs) Always the baddie. (laughs) Always the baddie. Um, Where's Cinderella when you need her? So something that simple can enable you to press pause. So once businesses remove the taboo around this, they can then start getting the facts out there. That might be employee training, awareness. And then it's key to have processes in place to make it okay for someone to say, boss, I think I've got imposter syndrome. What can I do? And to have an answer to that question. Coming back to this idea of it being very difficult for, mm. to raise that in a company, to sort mm. of say, boss, I've got imposter syndrome. Is it the <laughs> semantics? Is there another way, if you want to soften the word, is there another way of putting it that would find its way more easily into <laughs> that hierarchy? So I think we just go full on on this. Yeah, just imposter the, it up. <laughs> yeah, it's just, if the other option is to tell the truth about the thoughts you're thinking. Is boss, I don't think I'm good enough. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> and I mean, boss, what if you realise yeah. I'm a fraud? So let's call it imposter syndrome. You know, there's an argument, it's not actually a syndrome because it's not clinically diagnosable and it should be the imposter phenomenon, but that's got too many syllables and it's hard to say. Yes. <laughs> if we just call it imposter syndrome and you've got a wave of awareness going through a company of, hey, you've got this, you're not alone, mm. that in itself can create a breakthrough is I'm not alone because the fear of being the only person that's not good enough is what creates so much of the anxiety. If there is then a, 
And here's what's next. Mm. So one of the things I do, for example, is I certify internal coaches to become specialists in supporting imposter syndrome. So you've got a where do you go next? Yeah. Yeah. The work I've done over the last 15 years with corporate leaders means that you can actually create enormous breakthroughs in 90 days. Gosh. You have an online course. and Is it a 90-day course? I do. I have an online course. So not everybody can get their business to fund working one-to-one with somebody and not every business has qualified internal coaches. So I have a video audio interactive course that takes you through the five steps. That means over the space of 90 days, you can actually support yourself to tame that inner critic. So it gives you the how-to step-by-step Each lesson builds on the previous one. So the whole idea of turning your inner critic into your biggest cheerleader, which feels pretty unbelievable if you've been beating yourself up for decades, Mm -hmm. you do it in tiny steps. So that by the end of the 90 days, you're kind of, wow, you almost haven't noticed the shifts that you've made, Mm. but they're fundamental. And when we're bigging ourselves up in a way that's healthy and not big headed, because that's another reason people hang on to imposter syndrome. I need it to keep me humble. Mm When you are genuinely confident and naturally resilient to other people's moods and whims, because that's where criticism comes from, is they're having a bad day, it's not that you're a bad person, then the actions you take in your business, in your career, towards your goals are vastly different. And the stuff that used to feel really scary becomes exciting. So you're basically increasing your choices Mm -hmm. and you're making authentic choices as well. Exactly. No longer self-sabotaging. That's the biggest thing with imposter syndrome is we're not asking for pay rises. We're not asking for promotions. We're writing our success and praise off as fluke. With women, particularly the research study found, if somebody praises you in public, a lot of us are then saying, ah, yes, but here are 15 Mm. of my flaws to balance that praise out. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Whereas a guy tends, generalization, a guy tends to go, yeah, thank you. End of conversation. End of conversation. So if somebody's looking to be made partner, for example, You've got a lot of work to do to showcase your talents. You need to be the obvious choice when that committee meets to get that promotion, to be invited to that next level so that you don't have to work quite so hard in the interview. They arrive pre-sold. Yeah. Being the obvious choice is a really powerful way of encapsulating Mm. it, isn't it? I mean, I was going to say just on the the subject of criticism, is is, uh, imposter syndrome also part of a projection, perhaps, if you don't get a role or Mm -hmm. you don't get a promotion, you get passed over, you think you, you know, you're not quite sure why. Mm. Is that another manifestation of imposter syndrome? It definitely is, Anna. So another way I define imposter syndrome is it's the fear of others judging us the way we judge ourselves. Right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So if you are running imposter syndrome and somebody gives you behavioral feedback, like you're not ready for this promotion yet because of these behavioral reasons, you grab those and you make them personal. Mm -hmm. So there's the difference between evaluating your performance, which is at the behavioral level and judging yourself, which is I'm not ready for that promotion, which means I am not good enough. Not I do not have enough experience or I haven't yet learned how to do profit and loss work. You know, it's I am not good enough. Or things in the circumstance of the hiring may have meant that I wasn't the right candidate. Yeah. But it's about not making, as you say, that an inner judgment. Exactly. More an external. It's what, an evaluation it, of behavior that can yeah. turn into an action plan for your personal development rather than dragging it down, making it personal and judging yourself. And then we project that fear because we're so good at judging ourselves that we project it onto other people's f- feedback and behavior and assume they are judging us the way we are judging ourselves. And that's a really painful place to be. But it is the key 
to ditching imposter syndrome is letting go of self-judgment. And that's actually what the book and the 90-day course really teach you. But it was a less catchy title. (laughs) (laughs) So 90 days, the magic 90 days. Once you've made that shift, Mm. is it a permanent shift? Do you have to keep working at it all the time? So to give you an example, okay, so this is my eighth book. Um, Three books ago, so I've published two novels in between my last two non-fiction books. Did you get imposter syndrome about that? No, because I cleared it out. (laughs) (laughs) I had, I'd always wanted to write novels and a throwaway comment from an English teacher when I was 15 meant I lived for 30 years thinking I couldn't write a story. Wow. Never even told my kids a made up bedtime story. Cleared that out and within four days I drafted seven novels and two of them have already been published and the third comes out next year. That's incredible. So you just clear it out and this stuff happens. So Dare to Dream Bigger was my last nonfiction book. I had really pushed my way through. I'd been really, really busy. Night before it was due to go to the printer, lovely hardback, one of those strokeable covers. I deleted the manuscript. Who am I to publish this book? (laughs) And it was the culmination of 10 years of work. And I'm not like I didn't just delete it on my computer. Backup, Drive, Dropbox, Google Drive, the lot very dramatic. Okay. It, was, it was very dramatic. I, it was the summer I spent the night in the tent. My family didn't speak to me for about two days. Apparently, I did throw a little bit of a tantrum. Three o'clock in the morning, my brain finally went, oh, it's just imposter syndrome. And I had pushed through the fears and all the warning signs. And what happens, your inner critic, that unconscious dialogue wants to keep you safe. Mm-hmm. And if you haven't cleared it out, it will find the biggest way possible at the 11th hour to self-sabotage you. So. I cleared out imposter syndrome, found a backup of a backup. I was going to say, did you find it? Please (laughs) tell me you found it. And that book helps thousands of small business owners now to grow their business. Um, So, yeah, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, really. (laughs) But it made it, for me, it was an incredible learning. So this was four years ago now, was you have to clear out those fears if you're going to step up and do something really big. So as I published Ditching Imposter Syndrome, it meant it didn't come up for me like that, you know. If an opportunity to go beyond what I call a safe zone, I don't call it a comfort zone because often it's not very comfortable at all. Yeah. Yeah. To go beyond my safe zone. If that comes up, there might be a thought in my head of, oh, who am I to do that? And then I go, imposter syndrome thought, okay, fine. Do I need to do anything about that? Yep. I do it. No, carry on. Mm. That's it. So just a constant awareness. I mean, you will make a paradigm shift. Yeah, completely. By doing it, but you have to be on top of it, as with everything in life, don't you? Just slightly maintenance, it, and it's just over. Yeah, and it's just like that same thought that I almost walked out of the house this morning without my house keys, and I'm away for six days, and that would not have been clever. There was a little bit in my brain that went, house keys, as I was shutting the door. Luckily, before the door closed. I know, it's great, that bit of your brain, <laughs> isn't it? And it's exactly the same as that. So there'll be a little bit of your brain, house keys, a little bit of your brain, Make sure you're not going to get imposter syndrome on this. Mm. And it's shifting who you see yourself as being and who you allow yourself to become. Yeah. When you shift who you see yourself as being, when you shift who you're allowing yourself to become, how you're allowing yourself to show up at work, at home, in your hobbies, that identity level shift is permanent. Mm. Because the identity, who am I, drives the beliefs, that drives the self-talk, that drives the actions. Deal with it at that root cause level and the rest of it melts away. So don't start this work unless you're ready to completely overhaul your <laughs> life. 
Well, actually, at least do the inner critic taming stuff because it really is pants lying awake at three in the morning beating yourself up. Yeah, we all know no how one that wants feels. To do that, do no, so at no. least do that. Even if you're not ready to fly and to shine and to grow and thrive and inspire other women to do the same, because that's quite a big ask. It's a big ask. I yeah. mean, you know, that's what I was saying. You could be looking out, going, "Oh my God, look at all the space for me now." Exactly, and look at the fact that I now get to be who I am. Mm. And that who I am, because I've stopped judging myself the way I used to, is actually pretty awesome. Mm. Yeah. Is fear, I mean, just, just mm. on that point, is fear one of the major problems then in, in, in even approaching to do this work? Because, <clears throat> you know, as you say, fear is in the safe mm. zone. You know, we all know who we are in the small version, yeah. don't we? The, the mini travel version of us. I love that. <laughs> and it, it is that. It's like we pack ourselves in yeah. this little box to take me. to work. <laughs> it's, this is the safe version of me. You're yeah. not seeing the real me. No, 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 no. I've left that at home somewhere under the covers. <laughs> fear is the biggest barrier to mm. us as women making the difference we know deep inside we're here to make in the world. Yeah. And I talk about two types of fear when I'm teaching this stuff. One is legitimate fear. That's I'm walking along a windy cliff path and actually you really need to pay attention and be careful or maybe decide it's a stupid idea. Mind story fear. These are the fears that come from our self-talk, the anxiety and the worry from three o'clock in the morning. And I call worry, for example, which is a real classic 3am thing. What if? It's mental rehearsal for a future you don't want. Right. Yeah. So fear drives us playing small. It drives us making the excuse going, oh, no, I'm too busy for that fantastic opportunity that will almost guarantee me the next promotion I want. Mm. Fear is what makes us cling to our safety blankets like imposter syndrome saying, okay, but I know who I am when I've got that and I can handle it and I've got my coping strategies and I can push on through. And fear of that unbounded success. And mm. success isn't just about money. Success is about the difference you get to make. It's about being who you are. It's about inspiring others to do that too. And being Bef seen, being, being visible. Seen. Yeah. So when you judge yourself less, when you're then seen, you're less worried about those who are looking, judging you. Yeah. And I'm not going to tempt fate because trolls still get to me mm. <laughs> yeah, and they're always out there. But when you are comfortable, truly comfortable in your own skin, you become resilient to that. And the resilience I talk about with my clients is actually immunity. So it's not you have to crash and then come back and bounce back quickly. It's you never need to get to the crash. You can just kind of flow through and people can throw stuff at you and you're just like, not my stuff. Yep. Bouncing off you. Have it back. That is resilience, isn't it? That's true resilience. Corporate resilience is how quickly can you bounce back from adversity and how, how, how can you handle stress more than any human should have to, which triggers hypervigilance and complex PTSD, by the way. <laughs> so true resilience mm. is, I'm just not taking this stress on. Yeah. True resilience is saying, look, this is going to create a toxic environment for my team, boss. We're not doing it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Having that faith in yourself to be able to have those boundaries around what's acceptable and what's not. Mm -hmm. And know where you're going yes. and who you are. No yeah. one could ask for more, really, could they? Yeah, and it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey because we're always changing and we're always growing. And when you know how to do this stuff, it gives you the tools for life to be able to tame that inner critic, to not beat yourself up and to, to really thrive and enjoy what you're doing and make the changes that you want to in your life so that you look back on your 80th birthday and go, wow, I rocked that. <laughs> 
Claire, thank you. It's been wonderful to talk to you. If you want to know more about uh, Claire's book, it's Ditching Imposter Syndrome, How to Finally Feel Good Enough and Become the Leader You Were Born to Be by Claire Yoza. Thank you so much, Anna. 